Cyberspace, the digital frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast, Exceptionally Bad. Its ongoing mission, to seek out bad writing and poor acting and directing. To boldly go where no sane podcasters have gone before. Captain of the Enterprise. I try. Close to retirement? I'm not planning on it. Let me tell you something. Don't. Don't let them promote you. Don't let them transfer you. Don't let them do anything that takes you off the bridge of that ship because while you're there, you can make a difference. Come back with me. Help me stop Soren. Make a difference again. There are a lot of bad movies out there. Listen as we try to find the ones that are so bad, they're actually good. Is it just bad? Or is it exceptionally bad? Bad movies with your friends. Bad movies with your friends. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Exceptionally Bad. I'm Ben. I'm Brant. I'm Bracken. And I'm Nate. Welcome to uh, Season 4, the Season of Four Seasons. This is the fourth film in our second mini-season. The season of the (laughs) worst (laughs) of the best, right? Yes. Yes, that's right. Well done. (laughs) Nailed it. That was a lot of seasons within seasons, (laughs) and you did it uh, the first go-round. So wonderful. So uh, as you uh, may or may not know, we have been watching movies that uh, are the usually considered to be the worst entry in a otherwise successful franchise. So these aren't our traditional worst movies. Um, the franchise that we watch today comes from the Star Trek franchise. So that's what we're going to be talking about. But I have uh, something that I wanted to do with you all. This is completely unrelated to the movie that we watched, but it's something that uh, occurred to me, and I did some research and found out some cool things, and you guys might have fun with this. So it's kind of a little quiz. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, in the history of cinema, which is a little over 100 years old, there have only been 11 films that have held the title the highest grossing film of all time. And I wonder if you all can name them. Titanic, well, Avatar. Let's, let's, Are you talking about chronologically? Well, this is that's what I want to ask. Should we start at the beginning or should we start the most recent? Uh, How about let's start the most recent because that's probably going to be the easiest okay, and work and our way backwards. Sure. Now, here's the interesting thing. Several of these are on the list multiple times. Because they, yeah. Because they re-release yeah. years later. Oh, interesting. And so they take the spot back. Okay, who knows what the most currently... 2023 with the highest grossing film is of it all avatar 2 uh i would say avengers uh no. age of ultron it Earth. is avatar 1 i know avatar 1 so avatar 2 still hasn't caught up avatar 2 is currently the third highest grossing film okay. of all time what a failure <laughs> <laughs> come on James Cameron. so this Cameron. is worldwide this is not domestic. worldwide okay. not okay. domestic okay. right okay so as of now Avatar has grossed uh, roughly $2.9 billion. Okay, wow. The first Avatar. Okay. Now, this is Avatar's second time holding that record. Yeah, because it was Uh, re-released. That's right. It retook the 
the title oh, in 2021 after it was re-released. Okay. So, um, it originally oh. grabbed the title in 2009, mm-hmm. and it held it until 2019, when what film? I, I would place? say Avengers. Uh, not Age of Ultron, no. but uh, Avengers Endgame. Endgame, Endgame. Endgame. it is. Yeah. That's right. Endgame. $2.79 billion. That's bonkers. Yeah. So uh, Avatar held it for 10 years before um, Avengers took it, and then Avatar just took it back. Okay. Um, let's see. So of Avatar's original run was $2.7 billion. Now they're up to two point nine. so they... You know, they made another two hundred thousand, two hundred million. Yeah, and that was enough to take it back. Okay, prior to Avatar, what film? Titanic. It was Titanic. Yep. In nineteen ninety seven. Also James Cameron. Also James Cameron. Yeah. Yes. So he he bested himself, right? <clears throat> and that was so nineteen ninety seven to two thousand nine. Okay. Now here's an interesting one. Uh, Titanic stole this title. From another film that also got the title in 2000, or sorry, in 1997, but it only held it for a couple of months. Oh, was that when the the second Mortal Kombat came out? So I'm I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Star Wars, uh, The Phantom Menace. Close. It's actually Star Wars, A New Hope. Okay. Okay. Because there was the the special edition. Yeah, the special editions, remastered ones were released. Putting Star Wars as the highest grossing film. Okay. Okay. Um, prior to that. I'm really doing poorly. I thought I'd do much better. <laughs> no, you're, you're doing well. I knew the Titanic and the Avatar, but. Okay. Star Wars uh, took <clears throat> this title from a 1993 release. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Right. Steven Spielberg. $1.1 billion is what it made. It okay. deserved it. So Jurassic Park took that in 93, but the previous holder. Star Wars. No. Ooh. It was something after Star Wars. Uh, okay, just a second. Uh, would it be Terminator 2? No. Do you want me to tell the year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 1982. E.T. E.T. That makes sense. Also Spielberg. So Spielberg in that case took okay. it from himself. Yeah. E.T. made $792 million. Wow. Now, E.T. stole it from Star Wars. Right. 1977, which originally made $775 million. Um, Boy, he just... Talk about your first outing. Yeah, right. right? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of first outings, Star Wars took this film, or took the title from a Steven Spielberg film, 1975. Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. I was going to say Jaws. Yeah. $476 million. So if you'll notice, the numbers are shrinking quickly. Yes. Well, it's funny, too. It's interesting because, like, now a $400 million for a blockbuster is right. considered a failure. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah, considering well, that yeah. Their, like there, it's just like an, an okay outing. And, million, and you take right. into consideration the ticket prices, yeah. too, yeah. and 3D and, okay. you know, all that. We're getting now more into kind of classic realm? stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah. my realm. Bracken's <laughs> realm. Okay. Jaws... Uh, took the title from a film that had it. I would say The Sound of Music. Uh, no. Or earlier than that. It's not quite that early. It's actually fairly close to Jaws. Oh. 1972. 1972. Okay, just a second. Give this me a second. That's not made... Close Encounters, is it? Nope. No, Close Encounters would have been like 70, 78, 79. Yeah, okay. This movie Jaws. made $250 million. 
1972. Is it the God? It's it not is the, the Godfather. Is it the Godfather? Yeah, okay. the Godfather. Wow. Okay, now here's an interesting thing. Um, how do we do this? Okay, the Godfather took this from a film that retook highest grossing film in 1971. So if you it, want, would it, would it can, be would it be two thousand one? No, Space Odyssey. Nope. No. Uh, okay. Why don't we skip that one? Uh, just because it was a retake, we'll we'll, uh, okay. we'll get to that one. Okay, so I, I'm, the I, one prior to that is nineteen sixty five. Okay, the sound of music. The sound of music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one hundred and fifty nine million dollars. Okay, which, which is a lot of money for nineteen sixty five. Yeah. Let me just tell you. Yeah. Now we get to. The film that had retaken it so, after. So how many? This is. I mean, you said there were only eleven movies. Eleven, right? It's not the Wizard of Oz. Okay, is it? nope, no. So, so there are only two more films. Okay. Um, this film yeah. is. It's the second film to take the title. Right. It. Do you want me to tell you the year, or do you no, want to guess? No, it's a very I, early I, film. I don't need the year. Yeah. It's um, Gone with the Wind. It is Gone with the yeah. Wind, which at that time. Made 1938, 1939, made $189 million. $189 million. So it retook it because it was re released after The Sound of Music. It was re released in 1971, which brought its total from 189 up to 402 oh, wow. million. Okay. Um, now, there's one other film that is considered the first film to, uh, hold the title but there's actually before gone with the wind there is a lot of debate about other movies like who could have taken it and it's because there was not a lot of tracking of global box office and uh run times were very long in some cases or they showed them in clubs and things well, like that i mean so, movies started in like the 1890s right so when do you really start counting, counting the it, box right. office and all so, that there is a point where i mean there would have been there would have been a lot right. more yeah that's oh right. yeah it made it made a hundred dollars okay this is the so, record holder let's you know, go down to the local nickelodeon it's, it's the second week <laughs> you know and then it, going forward so I, yeah. I get how it's a little hard i want to mention this one because it's uh, this is not in the official lists, but because of other things, they don't know if it actually made this much, and other films may have made more or whatever. But Snow White and the Seven Dwarves oh. by Disney. I was yeah. going to say 1937. That. It's the Very first real. animated yeah. film, feature-length animated film of all time. Uh, it made $66 million. Okay. But it's not considered in the official list. Okay. Um, even though the one that was prior to it, and this is the first official one, came out in 1915. It's a silent film. Do you have a guess? Uh, it's probably D.W. Griffith. or Nosferatu. Or, well, yeah, D.W. Something it, by D.W. Griffith. A, is it a, is a, a highly racist film. Okay, yeah, Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Birth of a Nation, which, because of its... Um, because of its uh, kind of <laughs> glorification of the KKK, it kind of re there was a resurgence of the KKK in the United States after this film came out, and also because of the war, it was delayed, and so like its very initial release was only like five million dollars, but then like over the space of twenty years or something, it it made more money. Uh, they, I think the general 
consensus is it made about $50 million total over its entire run. Yeah. Um, but its entire run could have been... Um, nobody knows when that time period is. It's, it's unclear. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Very. Here's one other interesting stat. If we look at inflation... I was. I just pulled that out. Yeah, <laughs> just pulled that okay. inflation thing. Yeah. The inflation thing. This blows my mind. The yes. highest grossing film of all time. Gone with the wind. Gone with the wind. Absolutely. Do you know how much? Well, I'm cheating because I know. Yeah, but, you know. Uh, it's. You're not even going to be close. It, so it made is, for about four hundred million dollars. I mean, it, you're, when you, in, you adjust for inflation, you're basically you're counting number of tickets. Right. And everybody went and saw, and saw Gone it. with the Wind. Yes. This was huge. Okay, it was 100 huge. billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, not quite that much. And it's when 4.2 Ma- billion dollars in yeah. today's ticket sales. Uh to put that in perspective, Avatar, which is the current highest grossing film, uh would have made 3.8 billion uh based off of inflation. Okay. The other uh the rest of the top 5 is Titanic, Star Wars, and Endgame. All which made over three billion dollars. So I wonder if that really is adjusted for inflation, or if it's adjusted for ticket prices, which may be slightly yeah, I different. Don't, I don't know the how they did it. The one I was looking at was just it was taking ticket sales, mm-hmm. number of units sold, and then today's prices. Okay. So that's how they calculated yeah, it. Yeah, so. because there's a lot of premiums, but especially wait a with second. Avatar with 3D. What if everybody went premium? and saw it on Discount Tuesday? Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm just curious by tickets number of tickets sold would be interesting. But anyway. I thought that was interesting yeah. stuff. Um only eleven films to hold the title because even though there are a lot of movies in between that made a lot more money than the previous films, once somebody holds that title, it doesn't matter how much you make, you can't take that title unless you get more than that. Now anyway. what what do you think would happen if they took Endgame mm-hmm. and showed that? To the Snow White crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be. (laughs) Everybody would run for the hills. They're like, we're being invaded. (laughs) Um, Okay, so back to the subject of today's podcast. We watched um, what is often or considered by many to be the worst entry in the Star Trek series. Star Trek film series. Uh, we watched Star Trek Seven Generations. Okay. Now, uh, there's always some debate because whichever one is the worst really is kind of subjective. And some other contenders for this would be Star Trek The Motion Picture and also Star Trek Five. Five. Yes. The Final The Final Frontier. frontier. Yeah. Right. Um I chose this one, even though that like I was going based off of Rotten Tomatoes scores and stuff, and they were all within like two points of each other. And I chose this one because this is the first film featuring the Next Generation crew, and the Next Generation is my Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's why I chose it. Before we get into it, I have a question for each of you. Star Wars or Star Trek? Mm. Personally, I'm a Star Wars guy. I love both of them. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I, for me, it's the debate of science versus religion. Yes, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Where it was like, Star Wars has a very rich, you know, the it Force is and all almost that nonsense. a literal 
Um, where the tech, almost the tech is the background, and then a lot of the Star Trek is like the tech is part of a character, science, like, right? the lithium crystals, this yes. and flux, whatever you know, relay yeah. that, and yep. so uh, yeah, I love both of them. But okay. if I had to like take one to an island with me, it would have to be Star Wars. Okay. Bracket. Uh, that I I feel a lot of very close to what mm-hmm. you're saying there. Uh, I love both Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, I feel like in recent years, I mean, I, I used to be very much, oh, I love them both, but if I had to choose, I definitely love Star Wars more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like some of the movies in recent years have made me less held to Star Wars, right. so I really, it's it's maybe a 50-50 choice, okay. depending on my day, but... But you like them both. I do. I, I, I remember watching the original series of Star Trek and Next Generation. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten into the other series, um, but loved all the movies. Well, I mean, I've watched all the movies. Some of the movies I really don't love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Star Trek guy. And, and awesome. we're talking full body of work. Yeah, right? sure. So everything associated yeah. with it. So Star Wars, I also have to take up, like, the Christmas Wookiee yeah. episode. Okay. Yeah. Or you get to. I, I, get to. I get to. I get to. Are you talking about the holiday special? The yes. holiday so, special, yeah. Well, that's our next episode. So, so wait. What about you, Nate? Uh, Stargate? No. Um, <laughs> also Firefly. a great series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Galaxy Quest. That's the one. Yeah. That's right. my pick. Uh, that, so I feel like I probably would land on the Star Wars because it, it's like a space opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. Yeah, the whole, if you get sucked into space, it's not going to kill you. Right, and yeah. So, <laughs> it, it's tough, I guess. Uh, but like Ragan said, like more and more, as as the Star Wars cinematic universe expands, mm-hmm. I'm less and less engaged with it. Right. I, I, I've, that's a strange inverse relationship, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we haven't had a good tracking thing out for a while, but I probably still would choose... Star Wars. Yeah. So I would have, well, I'll tell you, back in high school when I was watching, actually this was even in middle school when I was watching Next Generation, uh, I loved it so much. I loved Star Trek so much. But Star Wars always was so dear to me, and I always, um, I had a friend who constantly was forcing me to decide between Star Trek and Star Wars. But this is a time where, after Return of the Jedi, there was no Star Wars, right? So all there was was my memory and my nostalgia and everything Mm -hmm. that I love, all my action figures and toys and stuff. I never once owned a Star Trek toy, but I owned Star Wars toys. Um, And one day I came to the realization that it's okay to like both. <laughs> like you really can <laughs> yeah. like both. You don't have to choose because they're they're different. They're similar, but they're very different things and it's not like loving one makes you take away some of your love from the other, right? Absolutely. I, yeah. I would say I think Star Wars is easier to consume. Yes. <clears throat> right raise your hand if anybody has ever played lightsabers, right? Like yes. you get a tube of wrapping paper and you're playing lightsabers, uh-huh. whatever, right? You're trying to talk like a Wookiee besides like super, super star Trek fans. Like yeah. 
like has anybody ever pretended I've to be trying like to grow my own dilithium chrysalis? <laughs> I, I tried to, you know, do the neck grip and, oh, yeah, and the make spock, the yeah. spot grip. And That's probably the, the closest yeah. thing. Right, yeah. But I, like, I just, I'm, like, I'm trying to think, like, what are the things that I would say that are yeah, live are long like, and prosper. But that's it. I mean, that's kind of it. It's like the Vulcan thing, but everything yeah. else or, is or like... Or pretending that you're transported and yeah. you're re, you know, re-energizing. Yeah. Or wearing, I wear a beret wearing across, your sister's headband across, across your my eyes. eyes. <laughs> like you're <Jordy>. yeah. <laughs> To be fair, I did do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, I recently have... Uh, <laughs> I subscribed to Paramount+. Plus. And they own all of the Star Trek properties, right? And so I, there's a lot of Star Trek that I have not. This is what's weird, uh, because, and I think it's because of the plethora of Star Wars that has come out. I kind of forgot about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I left it behind. I, other than this nostalgic love for the Next Generation, uh, I thought that's all there was. But then I started watching stuff on Paramount Plus, so I started catching up. I started watching shows like, uh, there's one called, oh, there's The Enterprise that came out, I think, mm-hmm. in the early mm-hmm. 2000s. Yeah. With Quantum Leap guy. I'm playing yeah, on this right. Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of like early Starfleet time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But um, then I started watching Star Trek Discovery and Picard and mm-hmm. Strange New Worlds. These are newer titles, right? And I realized, oh my gosh, I, I actually love star trek and and i know lots of characters and lots of like stories from like deep space nine which i never liked and i must have watched it anyway Mm -hmm. and star trek voyager i must have watched because i know everybody and i know all of these storylines and janeway yeah and i'm like oh i don't remember this but wait i do remember all of this so i must have watched all of this stuff and um I find that I love the world of Star Trek. Um, It's gotten me really excited for everything. The history of Star Trek. And I find that even though I still love them both, um, I think that my... Like, I like Star Trek better as far as the depth of it. There's more to it. So, I think... I think I... So, in Star Wars, like, uh Rogue One is the only entry in right. the, at least in the movies right that's not about the skywalker that's right <laughs> and you've got that whole galaxy that's the whole world universe it's like a target rich right? environment for storytelling but there's, but, nothing, but there's there. nothing there right that's, um that's does, absolutely does true. solo talk about them at all i mean i know it's all about han solo but like i don't remember about did they, just the, oh, the, for, the, skywalker? the skywalker no no i forgot i forgot yeah. solo existed okay. Sorry. Solo. <laughs> but he's yeah. related to the Skywalkers through marriage. So yeah, yeah, yeah. uncle, you know, yeah. brother-in-law. Yeah. And uh, so I have a couple questions for you about Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Before this, so if people haven't seen it, like, yeah. I guess fast forward a couple of things. Like, what do you think of like uh, emo Spock? So um, <laughs> I have seen Strange New Worlds, which is a continuation of like of, of after the, season two of of that Enterprise crew of that mm-hmm. Enterprise crew. And I really like him. Like, I saw that before I saw season two of, of Discovery. <laughs> Discovery. And so I, I really like that Spock. So when I saw him as emo Spock, um, I knew is, is how cool he is. Is that the official term? No, he's just, he's okay. like, he's... Uh, it's my chemical know... romance. 
<laughs> Spock. He's having um, turmoil. Turmoil. Emotional he's, turmoil. He's angsty. Yeah, yeah he's very okay. angsty. He has a beard and stuff. Ooh, okay. And, uh, different kind of Spock. Yeah, it's a different kind of Spock. But I, I've found that I do like that actor. I think he plays a great Spock. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I like him better in Strange New Worlds than in... So I haven't Discovery. I haven't seen that and I haven't seen Discovery past season two. Okay. Um I I found that that uh, most of the characters in Discovery were unlikable. Yeah, it starts that way and I was um I had a hard time with it, but by the end of season two, because of Pike, I really like Captain Pike. Yeah, which I, is why I, Strange New Worlds is so great. He was pretty, I did like Pike. Yeah. Uh well and Michelle Yeoh's character. Yeah. I mean it's Michelle Yeoh. So yeah. She could play a rock, which she does. Yes, that's <laughs> and, true. <laughs> and uh, in a different film, but you know, she won an she won an Oscar for it. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't matter. Like she could be reading the newspaper, yeah, out loud on that, and you'd still be like, oh, she's the best character. But like, yeah, yeah. So I just curious, like, what your thoughts were like on that interpretation of I Spock? Will s- yeah, I like that Spock. I will say that Discovery is not my favorite series, but. Uh, and I've only I'm only like halfway through season three, and I think there are four seasons. Uh, there might be more, but the, the season of four seasons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I have I like it enough that I'm going to continue and finish the season. Anyway, why don't we talk about this film now that we've got all that settled? This is the yeah. problem with Star Trek is we could talk about all sorts of tangents, everything forever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, can somebody give us a quick rundown of what this? I mean, this movie is not complex. Like, the storyline's pretty simple. Can somebody describe it? Um, I'll try. So, um, it starts off in Kirk's time. So, he has since retired. And he is... um, Him and a couple of the old Star... You know, Enterprise crew are checking out the newest version. The Enterprise... B. 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 And they were the Enterprise A. Right. Um, Maiden Voyage, right? Yeah, it is. Yep, yep. So, they just... saw the wine bottle crack. Yep, yep. And so... Um, they're putting it through its paces, whatever distress call comes in and there's this, you know, what do they call it? A temporal something, something in the space. ribbon, the ribbon. The yeah. Rivet, rift, yeah. And it, in the matrix, some I ships are caught in it. They're being destroyed. They managed to save just shy of 50 people. Yeah. Um, and one of them is this guy that looks a lot like sting. Um, <laughs> what was his name? Sorin. Dr. Soren. Soren. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. And um, Sauron, played by Malcolm McDonald. <laughs> yep, McDowell. Him, McDowell, sorry. And then, and also, <laughs> kind of a, a a flash forward from Guinan is also um, rescued from this ship. So flash forward to those who aren't familiar. Whoopi Goldberg. She's Whoopi Goldberg's Whoopi character Goldberg. from the TV show. Yep. Sorry, thank Next you. Generation. I'm realizing that that is yeah. not a <laughs> well known. <laughs> um, stuff goes down. Kirk runs down to save the day um and for all we know he's dead you know he disappears yeah, there's a hole in the hole there's like a lightning bolt and thing he's that gone it and yeah he's sucked out into space yep. and dead so pronounced dead everybody assumes he's dead flash forward it is now the next generation later, crew yeah 78 years um and they're just kind of going through their paces um doing their normal you know sky faring thing um, they get a similar kind of distress, uh, call. distress, distress call. Yep. So the story starts to progress. Um, and they, they meet up with this Soren character again. Um, and he, he doesn't, he's not really nefarious at the beginning. You know, they're at this space station. 
Um, but things progress pretty quick. He shows his true colors. He's working with this rogue Klingon crew mm-hmm. to basically get back to this this ribbon, which we learn is a, a temporal nexus thing. It's basically like heaven that mm-hmm. just kind of floats around. You perpetually live in your bliss. ideal bliss. Yep. It's like you're inside the mirror of Erised. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, meanwhile, Data has he's inserted his emotions chip, and so kind of wackiness ensues there. Um, <clears throat> and then um, uh, things progress. S- some stars are blown up, and uh, the the Klingon crew takes out the Enterprise. Enterprise crashes. Uh, Picard is down on the planet trying to stop this Soren guy. Um, the ribbon, he's successful. The ribbon he blows up a star, blows up a star, wipes out the entire Enterprise crew, but they're sucked up into this ribbon. Um, Kirk or Picard meets Kirk up in the the, the Nexus Turns out thing. He didn't die. Turns out he didn't die. He's been living blissfully for a few minutes in the because yeah. time's relative in the ribbon. Um, Sounds like a t-shirt idea. I know. (laughs) Picard convinces him to come back, you know, live and gloriously, whatever. They stop Sauron. Um, The Enterprise still goes down, but is safe. You know, the the star doesn't blow up. And then, uh, you know, things progress from there. Kirk dies. Kirk does die. For real this time. Yep. Yep. And then uh, Data cries a little bit over a cat. And then uh, roll credits. Yep. Yeah. The end. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) it's all true so this film featured uh the entire well almost the entire next generation crew wesley crusher was not there no so the whole crew was there yeah right (laughs) because he he leaves at the end of the season uh this movie came out in 94 which is after the next generation series ended so. He kind of left the series before, before and that, made a right? couple appearances here and there, mm-hmm. going off to the Academy or other things, right. but they kind of wrote him off yeah. after a while. Yeah. But we have uh, Captain Picard, we have Riker, we have uh, Dr. Troy, Crusher, Crusher, Troy, Jordy, Worf, Worf, Worf. who gets a, uh, it starts with him receiving a uh, promotion mm-hmm. to le- Lieutenant Commander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's Which right. means he's going to get his own show. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to, and he, in fact, does a uh, piece of trivia. He's never part of the Enterprise D again because the Enterprise D crashes <laughs> after so that. So technically, right. no one is. Before. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I should say the Enterprise. So no one's so going back to that ship. What happens uh, in Star Trek is that everyone else moves on to the Enterprise E except for Worf. Um, until. Well, I'm not Who get doesn't spoilers. get near the Enterprise D ever again. Right. Or the Enterprise E. <laughs> or yes. F or G. Or A, B, or C. Right. <laughs> he goes to, I don't know where. Deep, Deep Space, Space Nine. Nine. Yeah. Um, it also features members from the original Star Trek. Of course, Captain Kirk. Who else? Scotty. Scotty. Scotty and Chekhov. Chekhov. And Chekhov. Yeah, right. those three. Yep. So... Um, and, and, and Sulu's daughter. And Sulu's out. daughter is there. It's, right. it's Scott Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his character's name in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Cam. Cameron. Cameron. Oh, yeah, Cameron. Sorry, Cameron. And he... Listen, 
I have been impressed Alan by yeah. almost every captain I've ever seen in Star Trek, except for that kid. <laughs> yeah, he did. I I think he was. That it's was like, how, how did he become a captain? That's the thing. <laughs> His I dad mean, is a is an admiral. It's not yeah. the actor. It's the it's what they wrote for him. Right? Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. He, he was clearly inexperienced, which it seems like in the rest of star trek lore like sulu becomes a captain yeah. after he's been on the enterprise for forever right and um yeah i mean everyone and, does and Worf, he got so, he got I mean, promoted in to the future things uh Riker, you know is a captain yeah and, um seven of nine becomes a captain ultimately becomes a captain well she's first mate she becomes a captain does she okay <laughs> so i think the thing that was unbelievable about him though is like he literally has the shining star of starfleet like their flagship their flagship it's like his first command yeah which doesn't seem like what you get yeah and he's he's going out the thing that annoyed me is they have this like they're trying to rescue the ships right first of all kirk convinces him that he has to do it because and he's like oh no we'll we'll send somebody else he's like, no, you've got the Enterprise. You go do it. So he goes there. And instead of, like, commanding from his chair or from, you know, he kind of, like, he walks up and kind of, like, talks to just the gunner or whatever, just the pilot. Do you think we could maybe uh, put a shield around them like that? And it's like, is this a secret just for this one person? What is going on? (laughs) Then he moves over to the other seat and does this similar talk to somebody else. It's like he has no command. So he's presence. definitely, you could definitely tell he's wet behind the ears. Yeah. The points that he makes, I think, are valid at first. Where he's like, it was supposed we don't to, have a full it's crew. It's supposed and... to, like, the press is there. They don't yeah, have a full right. crew. Everyone's it's supposed seen. to just be like this it's kind of. It's not even armed. Yeah. Right. They don't yeah, have any, they don't right. have weapons. It's just like, it's supposed to be like the ceremonial, ceremonial first, yeah. first right out. So him being hesitant, like, I felt was understandable. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, I, I don't know what to do. I'm a coward. Right. It's like. I don't have a I don't have a full crew. They didn't have he didn't even have photons, yeah. uh, torpedoes, right? Yeah, yeah he yeah. was yeah. And so I understood that. Yeah. And I think that the script was trying to make it so that Kirk would have to assume command. Step up. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that was just poorly executed. Yeah. I did like that he didn't assume command though. I right. Think that, I, I I like that for Kirk's character. He to started like, to, I like how he right? stood up he's, a couple of yeah, times. He he's like, wait, yeah. this isn't my ship. Yeah. My time is past. Which is what got him killed. <laughs> I enjoyed the well. I enjoyed the part where he sat in the captain's chair as yeah as for a uh, moment. Captain Harmon was is it Harmon? Harriman. Harriman was supposed to leave and go do the thing. Yeah. And then he was like, you know what? No. He's it, like, you belong like, on the bridge of your ship. It, right. And he played into that the you know Captain Kirk and his desire to be captain. Yeah, it played into that char- part of his character, which was really fun. Right, so. and it p- pays homage to like the biggest kind of problem with Star Trek is that you've got the commanding officers doing all of mm-hmm. anything down. that yeah. needs anything to be done. Dangerous. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's not that they don't send like a scout team down to the right. planet. It's like the captain and the first mate and the doctor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The chief doctor, and so it kind of plays into like, oh, the captain has to go do this. Right. And Bracken even said, like, isn't it amazing that he knows how to do this on this brand new ship? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, a part of the ship that he doesn't, hasn't even been trained on. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's what happens in every Star Trek episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So, let's see here. Um, the only other, like, new, or main actor or character in this is Soren, who we mentioned is Malcolm McDowell, right? Yes. Where do we know him from? Uh, well, he's in Clockwork Orange. Yep. Anything else? Let's see, Clockwork Orange. So, he's a guy who, I'll tell you that I, I even know him by name. Like, I recognize him, I know him by name, but then I could not think of where I have seen him before. I mean, he's... he, he He's been in stuff. Is he in just, a few episodes of Community? Yes, he is. So he's been in... That's the thing, is he has, like, 278 Huge credits. Catalog. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is single episodes of TV shows. But um, he's great. Yeah, I mean, he mm-hmm. is. And he really does look like Sting. He, he is. <laughs> he a good, really does. He's a good villain. He, yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. So I have a story. Go ahead. So LeVar Burton plays Jordy LaForge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are a little longer in the tooth will know him from Reading Rainbow. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Um, Reading Rainbow. When I was uh, in college, in the, one of the summers, I worked at the Mosquito Abatement for the county. And one of my jobs was delivering mosquito fish to people who have like a backyard pond or whatever okay and i got like a sheet every morning with names on it and there was a lavar burton oh wow that i had to go and deliver to and i was like it can't be him yeah and and so when you're doing the the, this mosquito fish part you had to like actually meet with the homeowners or whatever you couldn't just like go i'm going to your backyard and (laughs) yeah Yeah, put some fish in your pond unless they expressly had in advance said oh i'm not going to be there just go to the side gate right. or whatever so it took several days of going he's not home not home not home it wasn't our lavar oh. it was just an old man but like <laughs> he also enjoyed reading though that is but he hilarious. hated rainbows <laughs> but i was just like i'm like no way lavar burner can't be there's no way that he's living in what some random suburb <laughs> so i have a lavar burton story since we're doing this it's a little random i uh, went to a a parochial grade school in Sacramento called St. Anne's. And my understanding is that at least this was the folklore. I don't know if this was actually true or not, but my understanding is that he, LeVar Burton actually attended that same elementary school. Oh, cool. But I don't recall ever hearing that he's from Sacramento or not. So I really don't know if that's true, but Hmm. interesting. uh... That's weird. I took LeVar Burton to prom. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. That is so weird. I, I heard that he established that school's crossword puzzle because it's so such a big deal in Sacramento. Well, there you are. There you are. That's a deep cut right there. Well, it's like how Pat Morita is from Isleton. Uh, is he really? Is. Pat Morita yeah. is from. Yeah, I know that for a fact that he's That's from the crazy. Sacramento area. Yeah. Well, so and so is Ileton? Molly Ringwald is from Roseville. I didn't know anybody so was I, from Isleton. But I don't. I don't recall them ever talking about Lavar Burton being from Sacramento. I remember hearing yeah. Molly Ringwald and Pat Morita were the two big ones from the Sacramento area. So for people unfamiliar with Northern California geography, <laughs> Isleton yeah. is a blink and miss it little town along the, yes. the river. The it's river. so tiny. Yeah. The, is that the, the American River? The Delta. It's I the, just think of it as the Delta. It's the Delta because it's, it's, it's the Sacramento and American Rivers come together in Sacramento. And I don't know yeah. what it is. So the it's, Delta is where all of the ri- a bunch of rivers dump run into, into the... San Francisco Bay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, going along the river road, you go through Alton and it's kind of a blink and miss it town. Yeah. And I don't know why they don't have 
like a five thousand oh, uh, foot Marita. banner, like yeah. birthplace of Pat Morita of, right? of Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. yeah, I can't think of anyone be more famous out of that town with, the, with like a giant, <laughs> with like a giant crane that like swings over the water with where you could stand and just balance and anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just envision it. Oh. <laughs> so Ben feels bad he doesn't have any LeVar Burton stories. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, if you go really way back, he's known for being in Roots. Roots. Yeah, that's, that was yeah. the miniseries Kunta in the Kente. 1970s. Yep. Yeah. So, but for reading a Rainbow, second there, I thought you I said mean, he's known for being rude. No, no Roots. <laughs> no, Roots. Yeah, it was a miniseries. Yeah. <laughs> My LeVar Burton was perfectly pleasant so old man. But. It's, it's funny, as I was, so we have a little cheat sheet here of, uh, information so that we can uh, kind of know Sounds who smarter. the characters are and, and stuff like this. And I had a hard time as I was doing this. I was like, come on, you guys know who Patrick Stewart is. You don't need any. Yeah. And then, you know, there are some other uh, people from the next generation who I'm just like, I looked at them. Jonathan Frakes, for example, he has done a ton of stuff, but a lot of it is directing and a lot of it is Star Trek related. Not all of it, but. Um, tons of it, and a lot of the cast has done that, the same way. Um, and so there's not a, a whole lot of extra stuff here, other than somebody want to give that interesting thing about Gates McFadden. Who's Gates McFadden? Doctor Doctor Crusher. Okay, she's the redhead. Yep. She. Uh, she Go ahead. She's known for her choreography and dancing and has a dancing background. I think there's been a couple of episodes of Star Trek where she's... A dancer. Dancing or on the holodeck or... I remember her being in tights or something. Okay. And anyway, she's known for that. And she did the choreography for some of the dancing or all of the dancing in uh, the movie Labyrinth. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Maybe it was some random movie or other TV show I've seen her where in where she was dancing. Yeah, I think that might have been it. Maybe not an episode of Star Trek. but it's. I always find it interesting when you find out the extended talents of actors. You know, you find out, oh, they can sing or they can dance or mm-hmm. they can do these other things. Yeah. Right? This uh, is our second time having Brent Spiner. Okay, what, what else was he in? We always forget that we watched Independence Day 2 because it's such a forgettable oh, film. Yeah. Right. Because he that's was in right. the first one, yeah. and then yeah. he was in the second one. Yeah. That's right. I love his character in the, both yeah. of those. That's right. Let's just talk about Brent Spiner yeah. for a little bit. What, do you got, what did you think of him in this one? I think... So, I... Uh, up for the entire series, he's emotionless data. Right. right? He, and, ev- and everyone loves emotionless data. Right, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. He, he's he's the modern version of Spock, right? Absolutely. Doesn't have emotions, is very logical, right? And is kind of the, the and it's funny that he doesn't understand the emotions, right? right? Yeah, he's super strong, physical, yep. mm-hmm. yes. more intellectually superior, mm-hmm. smarter, able to do everything better yep. than the actual captain, just like Spock was in the original. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then it's I think Data also kind of is a. I don't, I don't, I don't want to call them metaphor because that's not the right word, but it is, is kind of like a touchdown touchstone for our humanity. Like right. he's always like yearning to be more than, and you know, despite being better than humans in almost every single category, he still he wants to be, have that experience. Like human, yeah. Right. And so in this yeah. one, he has, and the, the series kind of establishes this, his, his dad, Dr. Noonie and soon, yep. um, 
wow, I'm dredging the old uh, <laughs> barrel here. Seen, or you've watched Picard. Uh, well, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And then didn't he had a brother too, like Lore or something Lore, like that? That's Data's brother. Is Lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he had like all sorts of emotional stuff. He right. was closer to human because I think that's he was right. like a version two or something. Only but he was evil. a jerk. Only evil. Yeah. Way yes. bad. So Data has evil had this Data. emotion chip Shouldn't forever. Shouldn't have built him with that mustache. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> twirling <laughs> and so it, so i hate <laughs> the thing that makes him think that he needs to insert this dangerous emotion <laughs> chip so it, while they are promoting wharf they're on the holodeck and they're on a boat version of the enterprise right like right. A old ship. school yeah. yeah like yeah a boat that's yeah. right yeah and um very 18th century. Tall, yeah. Like a tall ship with lots of sails. Yeah. yeah. Uh, through, you know, stuff that happens, Worf good-naturedly is dumped into the water. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone's laughing and thinks it's so yeah. hilarious. Data doesn't understand it, so he talks to uh, Beverly, yeah. mm-hmm. and Beverly tries to explain it to him, like, oh, it's fun, you know, like, we're all having fun. You need fun. to get involved You need to get into it and be and spontaneous, so he says, okay, unexpected. and pushes her off the ship, and everybody looks at him like, what, what did you heck? just do? Like, what a jerk move. And that is the... That's the impetus? And that's yeah. the impetus for it. There's so many other things in the in the series. Right. Like, where, so that's the thing. He's like, I don't understand jokes. So I'm going to put this highly dangerous emotion chip in my brain. Yeah. And it, it goes bad for him. Right. There were some clever things. I loved how... The first thing that we see as far as emotion goes, well, I guess it's the second thing, but he just starts laughing out of the blue because he finally understands a punchline of a joke that happened seven years ago. (laughs) Well, I think even before that was hatred. Right. I think that's funny. That's the very first thing that is emotion is hate. Because he hates that that drink. drink. Yeah. Yeah. Give me more. (laughs) He he was certainly obnoxious in a lot of the scenes. And I know that was... On purpose. Yes. Right. Uh, but it was also obnoxious for me. Yeah. I felt yeah. like as a viewer. It got old. Yep. It, uh, I, I agree. And there was a lot of times I was like, man, I don't need data with emotions. No. Nope. <laughs> the it, only time that it worked, and I think it had to for the plot, was when he got scared. Yeah. Right. And he couldn't save Jordy. Yeah. That was the thing that probably was the most that worked for me was that not that him getting scared, but the fact that leading up to where is, is it Zorin? Zorin. Zorin. Thank you. Uh, takes back and is fighting them and whatnot. You kind of feel like, okay, data's distracted. He's out of his element. Right. He's not going to be able to save the day. And you start to feel uncomfortable, uh, in the scene right Right. before that happens. You're like, what's coming? Mm -hmm. This is not good. Yeah. We're not safe. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's obnoxious. And you just feel bad for him because yeah. he's like, he's all afraid. He's like a little boy who's just learning emotions for the first time. And doesn't really. even know how to Which handle he it. is yeah. in that way. And he's so distracted. He wants to be turned off at one point. Yeah. He's, he's just demanding, um, is it to the captain? Yeah. yeah. That like, he wants to be shut off. Yeah. And, the cop's like, no, you gotta, you gotta stick you gotta with it. Learn how to, yeah, well, deal I, with your emotions. With I it. like that scene because the captain's like, he's like, you're an officer, and I need you to do your job. Do you know yeah. what? Um, 
I mean, there's a deeper piece to this because Picard was dealing with something himself emotionally at the mm-hmm. time and kept pushing off his captain duties up till that point mm-hmm. and kind of telling Data, hey, you've got to learn to deal with your emotions was also kind of a wake-up call for him to, hey, Snap I out. have to deal with my emotions and and mm-hmm. be a captain. Yeah, doesn't he say, like, sometimes that's the even more courageous or something? Right. Like, I, I, he kind of whispers it. Yeah. And we talk a lot during the movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you kind of see that in the Star Trek Next Generation movies. Yeah. Where the characters are kind of dealing with their inner turmoil or, right. or distractions and having to come to peace with those. More so than maybe the original Star oh, Trek yeah. movies. Um, but, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting dynamic. choices some of the choices that they made in the the story here i feel like the movies i mean this is true of a lot of things but where you take a series and you make it into a movie is like the star trek series it wasn't always explosions and things blowing up right like a lot of them were like diplomatic things and it was just like ethical very pedestrian kind of stuff but i feel like the movies always tend to then like ramp it up really heavily into the action and yeah. like all this other stuff so to some degree you have to fabricate a bunch of that to cause all of the things that you need necessary to make it be like a true action y kind of right. yeah. movie right yep yeah it's like like trying to have a movie with q yes yeah oh man yeah uh, and they yeah were you, were you done? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, it's just it's it's hard because he's kind of like a godlike character. Yeah, Q that can, comes yeah. that comes in and Q like opens up all possibilities. And he, and he basically like plays mind games with Captain yeah. Picard, which is fun in an episode. And even if it crosses into like another episode, right? But I'm not going to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that in the theater. Right. Speaking of ramping up the action, I mean, they have to separate the the ship. From itself, right? Yeah. Which is they've done before, but then they separated just, the disc part from the from the, the body. engine, yeah. the engines. Yeah, right? and so the engine blows up, and then the disc part crash lands on this mm-hmm. planet. The um, end of the it, Enterprise. End of D. the Enterprise D for the last time. For Worf, Worf will not be back <laughs> on the seventeen oh one D ever again. Um, <laughs> but. It's, yeah, it does seem a little fabricated, right? Mm. Like, they were, oh, we got to have something for the rest of the crew to do, and they're going to crash land, and we're going to destroy the ship. Yeah. Like, I, what did you guys think of that? So, I always think it's fun when they, when they have to eject, like, they have to to disconnect the disc. Eject the disc. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you rewound. Do you miss VCRs? (laughs) So, they had to take it out and they put it in the rewinder. This movie also (laughs) did have Be Kind Rewind in it. But when they have to separate the ship, yeah, like it's always kind of cool to see because you yeah. know, yeah, because you know things have gotten real because right. they they don't do that with the starships lightly. So it's yep. kind of cool to see. It seemed unnecessary in this one because it, it in- seems just so quick out of the blue, like. They're trying to fix things, and then Jordy's just like, "Oh, <laughs> you got a coolant leak. Separate the ship." <laughs> and it, it was just like instant, which I guess is is probably realistic. You know, but usually uh, when this happens, there's a little bit of a buildup of, you know, things are going bad. They're getting worse. They're getting worse. Oh, we've got to do this. And this, it was just like, okay, this was bad. Oh, crap. Get out. Well, and I I think one of you mentioned, didn't they usually eject the core? I mean, isn't that what they do? 
They do it in the in the they Abrams. do it in the new ones, but and I swear that they're just Am I missing? they could vent the core, they could do something with the core to get rid of the core and <laughs> not just, have to like yeah ruin I mean, the whole ship. If they're worried about it overheating. I, I hear space is really cold. Yeah. <laughs> well, That's and then right. when they're doing the evacuation, I mean, they were showing families with little, little kids, kids and their little teddy bears and ki- crying because they dropped the teddy bear yeah. on the hallway, and it's like. Are they in the lower decks, like near the engine, or are yeah. they already up in the saucer section? So there's where everyone section. lives. Detention, detention is actually just one floor above. Is that the, where, oh, the that's reactor where the, core? That's where the <laughs> school, <laughs> school is not, yeah, on the Enterprise. That's or where something. the brig but is. It, the yeah. most dangerous. Spot. So we okay. we already talked about Titanic, but yeah. it, I'll just repeat it. So that's steerage. Oh. Is, is the people down there? Okay. They're down there with the rats, the bilge rats. Yeah. yeah. So it, I will say that when the planet blew up and the Enterprise blew up, that was a little shocking. Yeah, like yeah. I did not expect that it would go there. Yeah, um, I appreciate that they did. Yeah, because it made the stakes real. Like, oh, hmm, okay. <laughs> well, we're well, just trying. Like, to... Oh, obnoxious data just died. Well, yeah, all right. Am I sad about this? <laughs> well, I'm we're not sure. We were talking about it too. We're like, imagine. I don't remember seeing the theater, but imagine yeah. you're in the theater and you're like, what the crap just happened? Yeah, like, right. They're like, like, I get the series is over, died. but you just killed everybody. Everyone. You're like, okay, there's going to be time travel. This, <laughs> yes, right. Bold move. Yeah. So what were your thoughts? So the, the, the end of the story is, I think I said, so Picard convinces Kirk to come back and they only go back like 30 minutes mm-hmm. in time. Like, you can go to any point in space or time using this ribbon thing. Right. And they decide. So Picard's son or n- his nephew, nephew and his brother have f- died in a fire. Yeah. <laughs> so like not a great way to go. Um, yeah, let's save them from that. Yeah. He Soren blew up a star, which wiped out an entire solar system yeah. and then did it again. So apparently like there's a limit to how far he's willing to go back in time because he's like well you know those two are just kind of a wash let's just just save this one planet that happens to, to, to be to have uninhabited yeah so I, I don't know what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean time travel is always i love time travel i love time travel in movies in everything but i have personally decided to just ignore all of the obvious like time travel holes. always has it's gonna have holes it's and like I'm the like, superman okay, just for this i don't care about any of those holes i'm gonna go with the story as it is and that's fine what if they just go in time this part so i get the holes i mean the obvious mm-hmm. like man a lot of things could have been fixed hey he could have gone back 80 years in the past and saved, saved Kirk. Kirk. Right. I mean, but then Picard's <laughs> stuck in the past. Like, that's I understand true. that, but yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, so that's, that's the thing with time travel. I have, go ahead. If, Oh, I was just thinking, um, yeah, the same thing. It's like, go back an hour before he gets, right. He, yeah. yeah. Don't, no, don't yeah, have right. the to be destroyed. <laughs> Be like, hey, the Klingons going to show up in seventeen minutes. That's right. Give Let maybe modulate your shields a little bit so they can't get through. It's, so I don't know if, like, when you guys, when your kids were younger, did you ever see that show, Special Agent Oso, like on the Disney? Oh yes, early morning. Yes, and on that show, like, there was always something that he had to do, and it was always like 
this is going to be, this is going to, you have seven seconds to do yeah. this. Oh, it's yeah. like, they're going to yeah. be here in like three and a half seconds. Uh. So you got to get your shoe tied or something like that. Oh. That's what it felt like. It's yeah. like, let's make this as inconvenient for us as possible yeah. to save the crew, the Enterprise, this solar system. Instead of, instead of giving ourselves a nice cushion, let's go back to when he's not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... We, we commented on this while we were watching the movie. The pacing feels weird. Yes. A little bit. Throughout. You know, and I think that was the tough thing for me is it felt like there was a lot of hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, when you're talking about that final scene with Sauron, it seems like there's a lot of urgency, mm-hmm. but they're just kind of, like, sitting there looking at each other across a shield. Right. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. I'm, so, I'm going to blow up a star. What are you going to do? I'm just going to sit here and watch it. And then, and then things are just like <laughs> kicking off on the Enterprise. Right, yeah. You know, they're getting all shot down. But I, I don't know. It, it felt jarring. It really? didn't seem like it ramped up to a natural conclusion. It was like either spiking really fast mm-hmm. and then it went to kind of slow and mundane for a while and then it peaked again. Yeah. Well, so, then I don't know. Then you're riding horses with Captain Kirk. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, the, I, I agree. The pacing was weird. There were long stretches of just nothing. And then spikes of, of yeah. Now and, and there was no lead in to the to the yeah, action just right. There off. was no build yeah. up. It was just <laughs> now it's action time. I yeah, had, I had Red more light, questions about the nexus and yeah. just the logic of that. So how did may and maybe you guys can explain it to me? But how did Guinan get pulled out of the nexus? So was Scotty like, Scotty beamed forty seven of them out. Okay, so that's how they got pulled that's out how of they Nexus. Got pulled out. And I yeah. think I think they were trying to go into the Nexus on purpose. And and well, how th- how did Captain Kirk and Picard get out of the Nexus? They they rode horses. They rode, they rode horses, horses into, into the, the future. light into the yeah. sunset. Okay. Yeah. That that kind of that logic just didn't. Well, Guinan said to me. something earlier to him, warning Picard. That if you go in there, you're not going to want to come out. But it right. sounded like you have the choice to come out, yeah. but you're just not going to want to come out. And she was kind of warning and him. Yet, I, I thought it was implied. He seemed yet, kind of miserable. And Kirk seemed to clue in pretty quickly that this was all fake and just no well, I think there were things yeah. from his subconscious showing up, like the Christmas tree ornament that was like an exploding star. And, and one for of the... Picard. For Picard. Yeah. 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 What did, what did I and say? Kirk, no, you're right. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Kirk realized that everything was in the past, yeah. right? Yeah, like he went up, that he, died. He went up to meet his, his old girlfriend, girlfriend and she, and then suddenly he's in the barn instead of the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, let me ask you about Captain Kirk. Um, I what? kind of had this impression: why the heck was Captain Kirk brought back? <laughs> I mean, like, I was like. He was not necessary for this. I guess maybe uh, having a second person there uh, made it easier to beat Soren, and, and maybe Kirk was the only one available, so that worked okay. But my my guess is it was a handoff. I mean, because that's really what yeah. It I was. mean, that's like really the beginning I, of it is a handoff, a r- actual handoff. Yeah, right. he's handing yeah. off his ship, and another, now he's handing off the the movie series, right? Because the, the series thing, had already Star moved Trek. on; yeah, right. it was well past, right? Yeah. Um, but they were still making the old school, the original movies. movies yeah. yeah. So I, I think that was the only reason is it was yeah. just a, okay, I'm, ha- I'm passing the torch to the new, you and, know, movie runner. And to do it effectively, Kirk dies. How do you feel about Kirk's death in this? 
so just to just to piggyback on what Brand said is I feel like the weaknesses of this story are because they're trying to do that handoff. Mm -hmm. They're trying to merge both generations. Um, and I do, I, I don't feel like Kirk needs to die. I, I don't think it was necessary for him to be in the movie. Honestly, they could have just had a better story mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. or maybe this story just well, better executed, um, without the first generation. And I love Kirk's cast and you know what uh, I love two, three, four, and six mm -hmm. of the Star Trek movies are great. I love them. I've watched them numerous times. My family just rolls their eyes whenever I <laughs> mention them again, but I don't really think they were needed here. They were kind of um, unnecessary, mm -hmm. so to speak. But I to answer your question about his death, not necessary, and it kind of makes the movie sad. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of. I know he has an anticlimactic death at the beginning, right? And then it's it's a little bit more climactic at the end, but it was really just not necessary. I thought. I, I would say it was less climactic. His actual death yeah. at the end. Oh, but it was just. I mean, he did he did meaningful stuff in both scenarios, right. but I don't know. Like we kind of yeah. died saving the day. He did, but I'm like, I guess just the manner I in feel, which he died, yeah. like. He was defeated by gravity. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I feel like I wish he would have died in a more, even more heroic way. That's what I mean. Like, so, just what you expect from him. The, this movie has uh, had a budget of $35 million, and $5 million of that was used to do reshoots to reshoot the death of Kirk. Because in the original version, Soren shoots Kirk in the back and kills him. Uh, and audiences saw that and were like, no way. Kirk has to die a hero's death, mm -hmm. not, you know, just like a, a sucker punch, right? And so uh, they reshot it, $5 million for him to fall from a cliff and get mushed. So if it's me and I'm making this movie, I would have done something more heroic. Like he is, so at the end of the movie, like Picard Star locks the locks the 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 rocket so that it just blows up on the pad. Right. Like, it, I think it would be interesting. I mean, it's a little bit of a trope, but like, it, it doesn't work. So Picard or you know Kirk has, has to, to be there, there to make sure it right. doesn't happen. Right. Because then he's heroic. He's doing the thing. Yeah. He is the climax. Right. And he earns it as opposed to just kind of yeah. slipping down the mountain because he he decloaked a rocket. Right. I mean. Well, I, I will raise like a, you one. Okay. So same scenario you're saying exactly, but it cuts away like in Highlander two. So you don't know. You don't actually <laughs> see. <laughs> you don't know if he dies or not. So uh, is it Star Trek two when Spock dies? Yes. Yeah. To me, that is like such a heroic death. Totally. Right. It's you, you, so. There's just incredible. no way you're gonna top that. Right. That's yeah. like the. But this isn't even close to mm -hmm. that kind of thing. They yeah. could have. Yeah. Tried. It just seemed like a super waste of like literally the most iconic Star Trek yep. character. So, but I want to say aside from his kind of dumb demise, like uh -huh. I thought that he was fantastic. Yeah. Like yeah. I think that they wrote his character really well. Yeah. And there was a nice contrast between him and Picard. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I liked the interaction between them. 
and I li- and I like to think he kind of rubbed off on Picard a little yeah. bit, mm-hmm. like when he says "call me, uh, call me Jim." Yeah, and and Picard kind of pauses and kind of half smiles because I I have you have to imagine that he's one of the heroes that kids want to grow up to be a Starfleet mm-hmm. captain because right. of people because like of Kirk, people right? like Pike, and people like yeah. Kirk, and so to to meet his hero and be able to call him by his first name, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and be on a first name basis. So I thought that was kind of kind of fun kind of cool but but i th- yeah i think that uh that shatner did a great job mm-hmm. with, what sure. he, with what he with what he was sure. given like yeah. he was a breath of fresh air when he was on screen mm-hmm. i agree yeah he's a he's a movie star i mean yeah. say what you will about william shatner he is a movie star and he's got a lot of charisma yes definitely to say the least this uh movie made 118 million dollars so it cost thirty-five million, made one hundred eighteen. So it did well. Mm-hmm. It's got good. Well, it scores forty-eight percent Rotten Tomatoes, fifty-seven percent audience score, but it's six point six on IMDb, which IMDb scores are usually are somewhere in the sixes, and so it's pretty normal. So Brant, what was that in boat crashes? Yes, yeah, so tell, our, so tell our me listeners will crashes. understand. Right. So for anybody who's listened, Speed Two, we gave it a lot of crap because. At the, the climax of that movie, they spent $25 million to fabricate the front of, replicate the front of the, the cruise liner and smash it into the island. Yep. This movie cost one and a half cruise ship crashes. Right. <laughs> to make. To make. To make. Yeah. 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 But it earned four boat crashes. It That's did. Right. It did. Yes. Almost five. So, but that, that reminds me, like, when the the disc portion of the Enterprise was crashing onto the planet. Yes. Yeah. It felt like... It, it felt like the boat crashed. It just kept going it, 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 and yeah. going and going. <laughs> yeah, I... I kind of going back to the, like, watching the whole planet get destroyed and then the Enterprise literally get obliterated. I think that was much more impactful than the... It just keeps going. We're like, okay, we get it. We crashed. It just keeps going. And everybody's like shaking around in their seat, you know, kind of getting tossed around. And I don't know. It went on way too long for that, but... It did go a little long. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, The guy who directed this movie, his name is David Carson. This is his first film, first feature film that he ever directed. And he said that he was surprised to be asked to direct this. He had directed a few episodes of The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. But other than that, he directed a ton of TV. And his guess is that they chose him because the, he said the story, there was so much story to tell that they wanted, they wanted to make sure that a TV guy who's used to squeezing stuff into a short time period would be able to do that and he did other than the five million dollar reshoot for kirk's death he came in under budget and on time um i was thinking about that as i watched this because this really felt like an episode to me and not a movie we kind of mentioned something through like a that. cinema lens right yeah it's, it's and just, weird lighting right <laughs> weird <laughs> yeah it just yeah. felt like a long episode to me Picard lives in a deprivation chamber. That's why there was no oh, lighting was in, his, in his It was the quarters. weirdest thing. Yeah. Ta- tell our listeners what you're talking so, about. So, I mean, if, if, if you've watched the series at all, I mean, it's a utopian future. Right. There's bright lights everywhere. 
even the planets that they go down to are always like brightly lit yeah. unless it, you know, it happens to call for night. But in this, for some reason, all of the inside shots of the ship, except for the bridge and engineering yeah. and the halls, everything was dark. Yeah. Like it was lit Moody. by a sun through the, through the windows or something. That's right. And that's the only light they were getting. So I like, I get that they were trying to set a mood, but it, felt very off compared to everything else 10 forward seemed like more like a bar oh, like a seedy bar yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, picard's office was like a noir film from yeah it was the 1940s there's a bunch standing of times there in the shadow and he's just silhouetted as he's yeah you can't even to... see him yeah yeah it was weird <laughs> i mean i think deanna troy didn't need her like empath power she's like so hanging out in your in your office Darker. with your lights off, huh? Just okay. sitting in the dark, <laughs> exactly. in the dark drinking, eh? How you feeling, Tyke? Exactly. Uh, Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never met my brother, did you? No, we travel in deep space. <laughs> you had a brother. This is new for the movie. Yeah. Okay. So, um. Does anybody have anything else before we cast judgment on this? No, I'll save no? it for my... Okay. So, uh, once again, because this <gasps> is the season uh, the season of better... What is it? Worst of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than... I mean, you could say bad or exceptionally bad, but the idea is, is this a movie that is fun to watch? Is it one that you would watch again? Is it fun to watch with people? Whatever. Is it really so bad you don't want to watch it that kind of thing okay who wants to go first uh i'll go okay uh so would i watch it again yeah because i i think that i would like to if any of my children are interested in star trek so Mm -hmm. we we would watch them like i've watched a few episodes of next generation with my son Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think i'd watch it again it's been so long since I've seen any of the other Star Trek films. It's hard for me to rank it. It's like, oh, this is clearly the worst. Mm-hmm. It's not great, but what's the Rotten Tomatoes? Like 57%? 58. Oh, 48%. 48. Oh, audience is 57. I would say it's probably... 57, 48. <laughs> yeah, a billion here, a billion there. Um, <laughs> so I would say that it's probably right around there. It's right yeah. around a 50%. It's... if If... If you were to say fifty percent is average mm-hmm. as opposed to a failing grade, so I would say yeah, it's it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, not the best movie I've ever seen. Um, without seeing one and five, I I don't feel like I could say like oh this is definitely the worst of the franchise. But yeah, it was it was fine. It was kind of typical Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I you know, didn't jump out at me as being better or worse than a lot of like, episodes of the show so mm-hmm. yeah i would say yeah i would probably i would probably watch it again but I, it's like a i wouldn't write it's like a soft recommendation or like a neutral recommendation okay. to watch <laughs> i wouldn't say it was exceptionally bad but i wouldn't say it was terrible would this be playing in the back of bracken's party with all of the other just middling movies uh yeah um no but now that you mention that um i was gonna say when i got here like uh, my daughter was listening to our um, uh, Mac episode randomly, my eight-year-old. And then tonight, before I came over, they were watching American Idol. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, I was like, oh, I'm so excited because, you know, from yeah. Justin to Kelly. But yeah. Uh, so no, no, it, it doesn't rise to the level of it from Justin to Kelly or yeah. okay. or any, anyone's at Bracken's party, in my opinion. But. Okay. 
I don't think it would be playing at the party. It doesn't have as... It's got a lot of slow spots mm. for me. Uh, so you want to have some fun things going on in the background for, for that party game. Um, no, there's no stalkers. <laughs> uh, no stalkers, yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that you picked this movie, Ben. Um, I personally would have chosen for the worst of the Star Trek The Next Generation movies to be Star Trek Nemesis, uh-huh. which was the fourth and final one that they made. Right. Um, which is a total ripoff in a horrible, horrible way of Star Trek Two. Um, I, I think they were hoping to maybe set up another trilogy of movies or something, but oh. I tried to look up Star Trek Nemesis on Rotten Tomatoes just to see, and I don't know what... It's so bad they won't allow it. It, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't even come up on the show, on, on the website. Um, it's got 38% on... Uh, tomato meter and an audience score of forty nine percent. So um, oh, yeah, that's bad. I think it's I think it's pretty bad, and it's got um, it's uh, what's his name? Who's the new um, Mad Max? Uh, yes, um, he's the villain. Hardy, Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. Tom Hardy. Thank you. He is the um, villain in that movie, and uh, if you, before he became you know well known, I suppose uh, <laughs> it, it might be interesting, but. I'm glad you picked this movie because it's much more enjoyable to watch yeah. than Nemesis is. Oh, good. <laughs> and um, it, it's I I don't know if I've seen this movie since it first came out, and so I do want to just really quickly talk about how much I didn't like it when it first came out because of the death. Of, you know, yeah. a lot of new stuff was like, "No, you're killing Kirk." Now that I've known for decades that, oh, okay, they kill Kirk in this and whatever being able to watch it again it was it was fun it was enjoyable it this is definitely a flawed movie it's slow in spots it's fun to watch um there's a lot of head scratching moments like really you're just going to ride out of the nexus on horses <laughs> i did enjoy watching william shatner literally ride a ring around picard <laughs> on his horse and show off his horse skills and i was really like you know, I really want to watch William Shatner in a in a cowboy western. Yeah, and I don't know if he's ever been in one, but I, man, that what a lost opportunity. Yeah, uh, I was like, he can really ride, and uh, I, I guess that was really his horse and his barn that they were yeah. in. Maybe we already <laughs> talked about that. I don't know, but um, fun moments. Uh, yeah, I recommend it. I I don't think it's the worst of of the series, but you know, it's still very watchable and. I think I liked it more, just like uh, X-Men 3. I liked it more this time around than I did the first time. Okay. So, so um, <clears throat> I was a huge fan of The Next Generation. That was my Star Trek as right. well. And <clears throat> um, I, like Brecken, I think I've maybe seen this. This might be my third time ever seeing okay. this. And there have definitely been other in the Next Generation movie I think there was four of them that I have seen more times. Mm-hmm. Like the one with the Borg. I don't remember what it's called, but first contact, first contact. That one I've watched a bunch of times. Like I, I love that one. Like that That's one. the highlight of this, of the next generation. Yeah, yeah. That one was great. Uh, felt quintessential, you know, next generation. Th- this one, I just, I don't know. I, I have trouble caring because I, I think 
again, the pacing's really weird for me, so it, it's hard for me to get into it. And then um, the stakes feel weird, and it just, like, I think the logical part of my brain just takes issue with just too many things that I just can't get over it. Data yeah. is super annoying. Yeah. Um, so just, I, I guess, it's, for me, it just feels just off enough from what I loved and was expecting out of a next generation movie that it, it's hard to get over that. So do I hate it? No. Would I watch it again? Yeah, I'll probably watch it again. Is it going to be the first one? Probably not, you know? So it's, I probably also won't put it at the back, you know, of a party anytime Mm soon. uh, Because people will be like, why are we watching a 20 year old movie now? (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I, I had fun with it. Um, definitely were 30 year old movie <laughs> <sighs> i'm getting old um yeah i mean that I, I don't know what else to say <laughs> like it was just kind of like meh for me yeah. so i will say that i i think i enjoyed this more than i expected to uh, i had seen it before and i didn't realize well i mean i knew i had seen it but i couldn't remember anything other than data getting his emotion chip that's the when i started seeing that i was like oh yeah i remember this is when that happens one of the things that i missed about this um well actually so i've been watching the series picard and i was so excited when that was coming out but then i heard so many people hated it Mm -hmm. and i was like oh no i don't want it to ruin you know I don't want to ruin Picard for me because I like him so much. Eventually I saw it and I was like, there's nothing wrong with this. I really like this. But I realized the thing that people didn't like was that the first two seasons, certainly the first season, didn't feel like Star Trek. Mm -hmm. They were not flying around in a starship. They weren't really dealing with, I mean, they were dealing with androids but not like with aliens and there wasn't diplomacy and all of this kind of stuff it was kind of just where's the diplomacy right (laughs) where's the heavy-handed message of tolerance (laughs) um i find that as i watch this movie i find that i'm one of those fans where i'm like this didn't feel like a normal star trek to me because it's just about picard like the rest of the crew is incidental there's nothing going on really i mean there's stuff happening in space but People aren't even doing anything. And it, and not only are they not doing things, but it's kind of like the captains are bossing people around and being like, I'm going to go do all this, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever. It's like people aren't being left to do their jobs. I don't know. There was a lot of weird things in that season. Yeah. Well, you know, Dr. Crusher's in this. only scene in this movie where she really has any significant dialogue right. is when she's talking to Data right before she gets thrown in the water. Right. And then, and then you know, gonna... she goes and helps some people. Like, she helps Jordy. No dialogue. Right. Like, she doesn't have any... And, <laughs> she and, says words, but the Klingons can't hear what she's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's and, right. And it's, it's that way for the rest of the cast, too. Yep. I mean, they're really on... They're crashing and piloting the ship, but... That's... And it's a bunch of, like, rocking around on the ship yeah. and falling over their terminals and stuff, There's... and that's all they get to do in the whole movie. Yeah, I just, yeah. And I, right. like, I hadn't thought about that until just now. Like, Deanna Troy... She has her little, you know, she goes into the dark with room Picard, with him right. for one scene. Yeah, for one yeah. scene. Riker it just gets scene. yelled at. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah. then he does crash the Worf. Ship. He, yeah, he does crash. Worf goes flying over the the deck, <laughs> and that's about all he does. Jordy again Jordy gets kidnapped, but then gets kidnapped. He had a little bit more than normal. But he did, yeah. but 
Throw I was, the rest I still, of them. Yeah, I was just like, it's kind of like more like, Guinan than anything. Yeah, that's true. It seemed like the Picard and Data show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which oh, is weird. Which is just like the first yeah. season of Picard. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so it was like, so that's the thing that I, I missed, is the the characters, the interaction between them. I missed that in this. But it's not a terrible movie. And so this is one that I would watch again. And certainly if you're a Star Trek fan, even uh, like a wishy-washy Star Trek fan, I think it's worth watching. There's story, like overall global story progression in this to the whole thing because we, you know, because of what happens with Kirk and the handoff of the franchise. So there are Star Trek, currently there are 25 different properties uh that are tv or movies there's like 13 movies and 13 or wait 11 movies and 11 series and then some animated film animated series Mm -hmm. um this uh i feel like i've seen stuff that is worse than this but i i don't know what Stuff that was not, didn't hold my it's, interest. It so. feels like it doesn't know who it's made for, right. right? It's trying to bridge a gap, and it's, and it. I don't think it hits the mark on any of those, right? right. It's not old school Star Trek. That's right. It's, it's not, not new, new school Star Trek, and it doesn't and it's really not epic movie either. And it's it doesn't, not yeah, TV and so series like, either. It's if you're not <laughs> familiar with it, then yeah, it, there's a lot of holes that you just don't understand what's happening. Like, who's Guinan? Why do I care? Like, why does it make sense that she is this? Yeah. through line you know from the past to the present like lots of little things like that that they right. just kind of don't explain mm-hmm. but then i don't know yeah 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 you have to be familiar it's it's like the the x-files movies uh-huh how mm-hmm. they didn't do very well at the right. box office because you're like well you have to have you watched have to watched every mm-hmm. episode seasons one through whatever right. And this is like almost an extended episode that bridges right. season. I don't know, was it seven to eight or whatever, whatever yeah. seasons it was. Yeah. And so it's like, well, who wants to go and see a movie that they're not going to understand? Right. I think that's going on. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like pick a lane. It's like yeah. either pander to the people who are super fans of the next generation or pan- or, or just go general, just go broad right. and then do better storytelling to explain why right. certain things are significant and like, in. yeah, right. like build up the plot a little bit more. Yeah. So it sounds like, in general, the consensus is it's not, uh, it is not offensively bad, but it's not super great either. You got, you all agree with that, basically? Yeah. I feel like Rotten Tomatoes is right around, yeah, right on the mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, percent Okay. Uh, we never mentioned the Klingons in this. Oh, yeah. The Klingon sisters. The... I, that's right. Whoa, Brant, is your stomach okay? Say that again. The, the, we never mentioned the Klingon sisters, which were part of... The original TV series. That's right. I, I don't Lara know what they're called. La, um, I, I call them the Klingon sisters. So, yeah, I didn't even realize. Yes. Right. Like, oh, they're in the TV show. Yeah, yeah they yeah, are. Do they you not remember them? I don't. From the original series? Yeah. yeah. From, no, well, from, no, from Next Generation. Next Generation, yeah. So I, I don't remember them. They, I do they, were regu- like... they were somewhat regular. They were on okay. like three or four episodes, yeah. I would say. And, they were uh, recognizably regular. They were yeah. kind of villains already. And, and the fact that they came back... In this, I, I enjoyed them, you know, yeah, for what they were. Good. Uh, let's see, I've got their names. I have it here. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the actresses uh, that played them. Lursa and Bator. You sure it wasn't Mary Kate and <laughs> Ashley? <laughs> Mary Kate and Ashley, <laughs> Klingon. <laughs> no, but they're they uh, they were fun. I mean, so I, I enjoyed them. One thing that I I didn't mention, but I I meant to, is that both the director and 
Malcolm McDowell received death threats after killing Kirk uh, because they were both individually seen as the reason that Kirk was killed. And so wow, <laughs> some some fans just, you know, couldn't handle that they killed Kirk. Was anyway. it from fans or was it from William Shatner? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is our <laughs> fourth. It was Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> I'll just leave that alone. Okay. That is our, our fourth film in this mini season. And so we've seen four movies. We need to pick. We need to now vote on of the four movies that we saw that were the worst of the best. Which one do you find as let's say the most entertaining. Okay, so let's recap mm. the mini season. We started off with Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh-huh. and then we watched Die Another Day. Die, Die Another Day, Day, the James, James Bond, Bond entry, and then number then three, X Men colon X-Men. the Last Stand. <laughs> Which yes. I love that you say it that way every time. I, I do appreciate that. It makes it more fun when you do it that way. It's just official. Yeah, I know it is official. <laughs> and then the fourth one is uh, Star Trek. Actually, I think its title is just Star Trek colon Generations. Yeah. Though it's often called Star Trek 7 colon Generations. So are we picking the one that's the worst I, or the one that we enjoy the most? This is the most or? exceptionally bad. So we're considering these are all bad relative to their uh, the rest of their things. So which one is the most exceptional? So which uh, is, oh, okay. I would say which is the one, if you had to pick oh. one that you were going to get together with people to watch, which one would you most... With, prefer to go watch of these four okay with a bunch of friends okay so it's a little bit different because one's the I, I one's very easily the most exceptionally bad of the bunch for me like exceptionally bad i wouldn't want to watch it necessarily again oh. compared to some of the others so uh, but i'll okay well okay I'll, I'll well, i mean I'll would you vote. rather do that no i'll just i'll it, it's all good because i think there's one that is exceptionally bad as well, but then there are ones that I think I would rather watch. <laughs> yeah, right? So. so, why don't we do this? Why don't we go exceptionally bad? All this right. is the exceptionally bad podcast, wonderful. right? Wonderful. I'll do that. So, uh, we'll do this. We're going to, number one, Indie. Indie. Number two, Die James Another Day. Bond, yeah. Number three, X Men. Number four, Star Trek. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. So, on the count of three, Hold up a number for the most exceptionally bad. Ready? One, two, three. Split decision, but... Okay, so it looks like the winner of the most exceptionally bad is Die Another Day, James Bond. We actually had a vote for everything except for Star Trek, uh, but two of us voted for... uh, Bond. I I, I mm. voted for uh, Indy because I thought it was the worst of the of the, it was the most exceptionally bad. But I in my heart of hearts I thought I'd of those four movies I'd probably watch James Bond. Yeah. That died another and day. That, that's again. why I picked it. Like, yeah. I picked yeah. Indiana Jones and I was like I don't need to see that again. Yeah. I'd probably watch that <laughs> Bond again. That again. Yeah. No, I hate that yeah. outing yeah. of Indy. Yeah. The Bond was was just kind of. Ex- like literally exceptionally it's bad. It's the right kind and of bazonkers. Right. It's yeah, bad. I mean, yeah. yeah and it was... but it's bad in such a wild way that it's like, oh yeah, I definitely want to see that because I can't yeah. believe that that stuff happens. Yeah. Right. Right. Space lasers. It's funny because I think of those four movies, that one's probably aged the the hardest. The worst. Yeah. The other ones have probably been viewed as not. You know, at least when we talked about yeah. them, we liked them more now than well. Yeah, not indie. For the record, maybe not indie. I would say that uh, 
in my opinion, X Men was the most entertaining. I would. That's that I would that's kind again. of what I was going. Yeah, with. I was still yeah. kind of voting like which one would I watch, watch again. again. Yeah. yeah, but it was a toss up between James Bond and yeah. X Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, I just had to get Patrick Stewart and Halle Berry. So I was yeah. right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations to James Bond for winning that. James Brosnan, he'll uh, accept his award. Pierce? Pierce, Pierce. What did I say, James, James. Brosnan? Yes. You can call him Jim. Bronson. <laughs> Jim Bronson. James T. Bronson. There's a lot of crossover this season. We did. We kept trying to tie in Indy with the rest of them. But... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, it, it, this movie had aliens, and Indiana yeah. Jones had aliens, too. <laughs> That's true. That's right. Transdimensional time yeah. people. Yeah. And we'll just pretend they're played by the same actor. Yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> Wonderful. So, uh, that's our episode for today. Uh, we'll be starting a new mini-season with the next episode. Uh, make sure to tune in so that you can... Uh, make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss that when we start that and find out what that season is. Um, but in the meantime... You can uh, tell us how wrong we are or how right we are um, by contacting us at uh, our Instagram, at Exceptionally Bad. Our Twitter, at Exceptionally Bad. Our email, (laughs) theguysatexceptionallybad.com. Or visit our website, uh, exceptionallybad.com. Yep. Yep. So let us know what you think. Um, also, you know, I've heard from a lot of people that we put people to sleep on purpose. <laughs> I don't mind that. So <laughs> my, my daughter falls asleep to us every single night. I love we it. We can start a separate ASMR. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening to us. We'll catch you next time. You know, if Spock were here, he'd say I was on an irrational, illogical human being for going on a mission like that. Sounds like fun. That was terrible. Can we fix that in post?